everybody doing? I just returned from uh, a leadership seminar in El Salvador. We were uh, sharing with the leaders there and encouraging them. And this season, you know, I try to go a couple times a year, once for the leadership and then once for uh, our group to go. And, and, and you know, it's, it's always good to be there. There are some things that they can learn from us in terms of maybe strategic thinking or even theology. There's some things that uh, they don't have as much access to in those realms, but, but boy, we can learn some things from them too, you know? And, and one of them is, uh, is just the power of prayer and how they pray. Uh, me and the guys from here in Ohio and in Canada that were leading the seminar, we, we get together for the last session. We're like, we're going to plan out this, this amazing prayer experience for them, you know? But as they're worshiping and singing, they were, they were ahead of us, and, and then they just start praying, like, and then one guy comes up, like, he's praying for me. I'm like, this is not in my program. Like, we had a plan, you know? And, and they like, pray, and they're just pouring out before God as they're praying for one another, gathering around one another. We, we learn some things. We learn some things about worship. I mean, uh, what we do up here is, is far beyond what they could do there, and I mean... To even have a guitar in tune is like a, a miracle of God. You know, it's like, man, could you tune the thing? I mean, really. I mean, if you're if you have any kind of pitch issues, you know, go to El Salvador, you'll fit right in. And uh, but I'll tell you what, man. In terms of like the spirit within worship and kind of the just the I don't care what it sounds like, this will be the most enthusiastic thing ever. You know, they got that all over us. I mean, really, it's not about what happens up here. It's about what happens in the room, and there is just so much enthusiasm. We could learn some things and we, we could learn some things about sacrifice too i talked to we went up a mountain called tepecoya to a place i would never been actually uh even though i've been seven times now but i would never been on this specific mountain and one of the pastors there pastor marvin he he we took a truck up this and it still took us like 35 40 minutes or uh, up the rough terrain you know it's real slow and i asked him i like how long does it take you to get up here to get to that house church because there's a house church up there that he goes to an hour and a half to walk one way so he goes like walks up there has the church it's dark then at night he goes back home and we visited this house church and you know we're very concerned about what our house looks like and it's a tin roof and and a couple walls a couple walls weren't there dirt floor dogs one of them bit me amen I mean, that was like true it's true <laughs> like god protect me oh the dog just bit me um anyway so how do you say that in Spanish? Um, uh, but anyway, how do you say I'm about to kick your dog in Spanish? I don't know. But anyway, so, but we're, so we, we're there, and, and uh, she's just so graceful. How many people do you have here? Seven or eight children, about ten adults in this small, tiny little area. There's some things we can learn uh, from them as well. But we went to Chautauqua Church, and uh, the church that we sponsor, and they, they have a lady that's in charge of decorating. It's Christmas in El Salvador, just like it is here. And... Uh, you know what she had done? She made all these little, like, paperly little things, you know, these decorations up there. They're hanging from the ceiling. You know what they were? Snowflakes. I mean, that's wishful thinking. You know what I'm saying? We're here in El Salvador. I'm like, I mean, y'all are going to have to really pray for that to happen. You know what I'm saying? And uh, there's snowflakes hanging from the, uh, from the ceiling. But it's good to be back. Good to be back with you guys. And, uh, you know, we're here at Christmas time. Can you believe that? It's already Christmas, December crazy and i hope you guys are getting ready for it but christmas is a beautiful time for people it's also a hard time for some people in fact i don't know if you guys heard this on the news but um one of santa's little helpers was kind of down and depressed did you guys hear that report and um it was a real problem he really he had no self-esteem you know so it's, it's, 
yes, yes, I've been waiting for that moment. Anyway, um, you'll, you'll tell that to your family, trust me. Like, now you're like, ah, it's not that funny. You're like, go home like, hey, you know Elvis Steve, that's hilarious. Maybe not. Anyway, I hope you are planning for Christmas and preparing for this year. I hope you're getting ready, but, you know, there was a lot of preparation that went into that first Christmas. It wasn't just for a month, it was for generations. That's why we're celebrating what's called the Advent. The Advent is like the, the, the planning for someone important, the coming of someone important. And, and, and Jesus was planned for, prepared for. The preparation was uh, uh, long and generational. Now, when you think about what is the best gift that you've ever given or received, what do you think it was? Think about it for a minute. What was the best gift you ever have been given or you have given to someone? My guess is, it's not something that came in an Amazon box. It's not something that came as a gift card that somebody haphazardly bought at Kroger on the way out. My guess is it probably was something that was meaningful. It was probably something that someone took time to do. It was, it was that afghan that someone knitted for your first baby as you're getting ready for the season. It was, it was that card that has glitter and glue on it and that your child prepared for you. It's the preparation that matters and it's the gift that matters because it comes from the heart and god gave us a gift john three sixteen for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever will believe in him will not perish but will have everlasting life and do you have any idea about the planning and the preparation that went on with this gift it was a gift that was planned from the beginning of time and throughout all the pages of the old testament we are told about the gift that god is preparing for planning for and ready to give and that's what I'm going to talk about today, is what, what does preparation look like as the Messiah came? You know, it came with a promise. Long ago, God made a promise, and that promise was made of a gift that was coming for you and me. It was going to, it was going to be the Messiah. He was going to save us from our sins. And the Old Testament tells us about this time where Christ is going to come, and God made a promise to a man named Abraham, and that, that Abraham, I'm going to bless your the world through your family line. I'm going to use your family, and I have a plan. And we're going to go through each one of those plans, and, and you're going to see how the story is unfolding. I know you can't see it today, but trust me, it's going to happen. And Abraham then had a child. In fact, he had a couple of children, and, and he had one. And out of those two, one was chosen. It was Isaac. And through the family line then of Isaac, there was going to come this promised Messiah. And then from Isaac who also had these sons, these two sons. He had Jacob and Esau, and even though one was older, God had a different plan, and he made sure that that was carried out through the line of Jacob. So God eliminates half of them by saying to Jacob, it's through Jacob the promise of this gift is going to be delivered. And then Jacob had 12 sons. And now which one of those is it going to be? And God had a plan that one of the 12, it would come through his line. And that he would see that it would come through Judah and then ultimately through the line of Jesse. And Jesse had eight sons, and one of those sons named David. And he was the least of the ones that they would expect. All the rest were stronger and seemed wiser and seemed more impressive. But here was little David, and God chose David. And, and, and when you go to Matthew chapter 1, and you look at this in reverse, because it's always easier to see the promise in reverse... You can walk through the lineage of Jesus as you see generation after generation as God continued to just weave his promise, weave his plan through generations. And when you see the, the line of Mary and Joseph, 
you can trace their line through the family tree of, of David to Jesse to Judah to Jacob to Isaac to Abraham. And it is God identifying who the Messiah would be. He gave us a promise. And he delivered on that promise. And the promise was given for you and me. And it is a really great thing to realize how much God thought of you. That he would plan this gift, not for just a month in the month of December, but he would plan it for generations upon generations. Not only that, he told us, he predicted it. He promised it, and then he gave us these little glimpses, these little windows that we call prophecies. And he gave these predictions to say, I'm going to tell you what the Messiah is going to be like. I'm going to tell you so that you'll recognize him when he comes. Listen to the words in Isaiah 46.10. God says, I have made known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. Now, you guys know nobody can predict the future. Nobody knows exactly who's going to win the Super Bowl or how, what the score is going to be or what the weather is going to be like tomorrow. But God, the Bible says, knows the future. And he gives us glimpses into it all through the Old Testament, a little bit more of understanding so that when Jesus would come, we would recognize him. Now, with those predictions, and they were given, they weren't always understood by the people at the time. Prophecy and predictions are also best understood looking back. But did you know there are 60 major predictions and 270 minor predictions from the Old Testament about the Messiah? 330 total about what the Messiah was going to be like, about his birth, about his circumstances around his life, about his family tree and all the events that would occur during his time on earth. 330 glimpses, windows into this gift. How many of you do uh, a little, little clues when it comes to gifts in your house? We have an Advent calendar which is kind of like these little boxes this is just a tradition we started a few years ago i don't know if our kids started it for we did because it kind of seems like a good idea for gift giving you know getting additional gifts anyway so you open the box and there might be a little piece of candy and they were like oh it's candy on this day yay. and then but another one might be oh it's chapstick on this day yay. and then another one you might be like hey here's a clue for something bigger because it won't fit in this little box like, oh what great something bigger yeah so like they go and like find it in another part because the clue says something like um you know some clever little you know statement about where it might be you know and they end up searching throughout the house and there it is something a little bit better something a little bit bigger that's called the advent calendar in our home and and what god did was give us little glimpses little clues in there so he'd say here's another little box here's another little window that you can look into and you'll be able to know what jesus is like 330 of those and the very first one is genesis chapter 3 verse 15 the very first prophecy and here's what it said after adam and eve sinned god said i will put enmity between you satan the devil who attempted them and the woman and between your offspring and hers he who the offspring of the woman jesus it's the first prophecy of the virgin birth and you will, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And that's the first prophecy of crucifixion, where his heel would be pierced. But through that action where the devil thinks that he's winning, Jesus will crush his head. The offspring of a woman will crush his head. That's the very first prediction in the Bible. It's the very first reference, the virgin birth, the death of Jesus. And then we see at the end of the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, continuing another prophecy chapter 3 verse 1 he said see i will send my messenger who will prepare the way for me then suddenly the lord you are seeking will come to his temple the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come says the lord almighty and from the beginning of genesis 
and the ending of the Old Testament in Malachi, we see 330 little glimpses into what Jesus will be like from Genesis to the end. I want you guys to do something for me. On the count of three, I want you to state loud enough for just the people in your section to hear. You don't have to yell it out. I want you just to say loud enough for them to hear your name, your first and last name, and your address, okay? Your first and last name and your address on the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Some of you have some really long addresses, but my, my, uh, there's, out of the 7 billion people on the planet, you're the only one with your name that lives at your address, right? I, I mean, uh, it's very rare to find somebody that has your exact name. Years ago, I was at a Christian camp, and uh, this many, many years ago, but I met like an eighth grade kid who had my name, and I was like, what is your name? I'm meeting this student. He's like, my name is Steven. I'm like, that's cool. That's my name. I was like, how do you spell it? P-H. I was like, that's how I spell it. And I was like, what's your last name? He's like, Sam's. I was like, no, no way. That's my last name. That's so cool. You know, I'm always, I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna take a shot. What's your middle name? He goes, Benjamin. I'm like, are you kidding? That's my middle name. I'm like, I'm ready to embrace this kid, man. I'm like, this is for the same person. This is awesome. He was not impressed at all. I mean, like, he had not, he had no experience in life. I mean, I'm like, this is the only Stephen Benjamin Sands I've ever met. But there's only one of me at 25450 Oakview Court in Lebanon, Ohio. It's my name and my address that helped to identify me for all the people on the planet. And throughout the pages of the Old Testament, we see God gives us the name and address of the Messiah. Because to reveal to us that the Messiah would be separated from every other person who had ever inhabited the planet Earth. And that we would know who he is so that when he comes, we would recognize him. And there are 330 predictions about these things. And so many of those are so specific. In Micah, we're told the Messiah would be born in an obscure little town. Less than a thousand people at the time of that prediction was made called Bethlehem. And you know the circumstances of his birth. They weren't even living there at the time, but because... The Roman leaders said, I want you to go back to your hometown. We're going to have a census and count the people so that we can calculate your taxes. Everybody goes back to their own hometown. And Joseph and Mary went back to Bethlehem because they are from the town of David. And he would be born from, by a virgin. And his name would be Emmanuel. Isaiah tells us that. And Isaiah 52 and 53 tell us what his purpose would be. He would come to heal our sins, take them away. And that how it would happen would be through his death. We discover in the book of Zechariah that he would be, be betrayed by a friend. By a friend who would betray the gifts that have been given. And on that first Christmas morning, there had been silence for 400 years. And suddenly God spoke in a thunderous but very quiet way as he broke the silence with a baby's cry. And he made a promise and he delivered on it and he predicted it so that we would recognize the Messiah when he came. And we see in this small town in Bethlehem, the birth of Jesus. That is the December story. That's the story that you and I talk about. That's what we celebrate. But even with all of that preparation, did you know there are still people who missed the Messiah and still do today? I don't remember a lot from uh, a lot of what I learned from my freshman year of college at Milligan. Um, it's difficult to wake up for 8 a.m. classes. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, I had... My first, my first semester, I had an 8 a.m. class by, uh, a, it, was a, it was a science class called Earth and Space Science. We, we not so affectionately called it Earth and Waste Science. 
And the professor was named Dr. Nix. We called him Dr. Somenix. He was a little bit sleepy, all right? So we would get there at 8 a.m. and go to class. And somewhere uh, all toward the end of the semester, this was a big lecture hall, about 300 students. And he, he was looking out through his notes, and he said, I would like a student to come forward. I like to give this honor every semester. He goes, uh, would uh, Mr. Sams, are you here this morning? I'd like you to come down forward. And I happened to be there that day. It was actually kind of astonishing. And I was like, yeah, I'm here. I stood up, and he was like, Hey, everybody, this is Mr. Sams. I'd like to introduce you to him. He has the honor of being the one to miss the most this semester. He's only been here eight times, all right? Let's all give it up to him eight times, all right? I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I got a D plus in that class. I was so proud of myself. Like, man, I, I didn't learn. I didn't, I didn't study anything. Still passed it, you know what I'm saying? You guys had no idea I was such an underachiever, did you? Anyway, um, well, when you think about uh, this kind of idea of being prepared and learning, well, I didn't learn much my freshman year of college, but I do remember one thing that I learned. Dr. Magnus's class on the New Testament, and I remember like one of the very first days he was teaching us on the, on the coming of the Messiah into the world, and he was reminding us that so many had missed the coming of the Messiah into the world. The wise men got it. The shepherds got it. Mary and Joseph got it. But a lot of people, even those that were learned in, in Herod's court, they missed the Messiah. And he just looked at us and he said, Students, as you learn here over the next four years, and as you gain knowledge, as you understand more about the Bible, as you understand more about uh, the world, don't learn so much that you miss the Messiah. And that's my question for you today. With all that preparation and all that planning, I've discovered that there are those who still miss the Messiah. We spend so much time thinking about the gifts of Christmas. We spend so much time in our preparation for the holiday. We spend so much time with the meals and the planning and everything else. And the mad rush of Christmas, somehow it still happens that people miss the Messiah. And yet Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the gift of Jesus. What happens is sometimes when it comes to the Christmas season, we get so busy and sometimes we get so rushed that we don't spend time to prepare our own hearts. Pastor Rick, Pastor Rick Rousseau tells about one year when his church was packing up the Christmas stuff and the cleaners were cleaning things up and things like this, and Christmas was over and there were some people who were kind of putting the decorations away, and they had a, ma a baby lying in a manger there as one of their decorations, an image of the, the Christ child. And one of the cleaners picked up the baby out of the manger and, and said, without even realizing what they were saying, what are we going to do with Jesus? That's an appropriate question to ask. But it's not just an appropriate question for them, it's an appropriate question for us. In the midst of the Christmas season, I realize that we are probably all of the map in here. There are some of you who have been committed Christians and you are believers in Christ for a long time. And for some of you, for Christmas, it's, it's not a holiday. It's a celebration of God's gift. And, and so this is such a meaningful time for you and you do the right things in preparing. But there are some of the rest of you, maybe you're searching for the first time. And like those wise men, you are looking for something. You are searching for something. And you are guided, and you are learning. You're saying, God, I want to know more about this Christ. I want to know more about the predictions. I want to know more about the evidence for Christianity, and maybe that's you. Maybe there's others of you this morning who were resistant to all of this, and you aren't interested much at all, but you came because somebody invited you. 
And there are a lot of things that we struggle with when we see the gift. When we ask the question, what will I do with the gift that God has given? Some of you could ignore it. And we've, we've done that before at times. Some of you can avoid it. Some of you can argue against it. I mean, we're living in a time where people are more interested in spiritual things, and yet in our country, less interested in Christianity. I just read, actually, a, a December 13, 2017 story in the New York Times where the Pew Research Center did a study that found out there are some alarming trends about the belief in Christmas. It said that of the four truths in the Christmas story that are most prominent, that being an angel heralded the, heralded the birth, there was a virgin birth. The wise men were guided to the baby by a star, and then he was placed in a manger. Those four critical truths in the Bible. The Pew Research Center said only 57% of Americans believe in all four, down from 65% in just three, three years before this. The study tried to explain that by saying atheism is on the rise, Christianity is on the decline. Some ignore it, some avoid it, some choose not to believe it, and yet some embrace it. And if we're going to believe the Bible and trust the Bible, the Bible says there's only one way to God. That's through the person of Jesus Christ. And he broke through history as God's son and provided for us a way to be redeemed. And I'm just saying, at this Christmas season, with all of the dinner prep and the gift prep and the holiday prep and the busyness of the season, I'm just saying as we enter this season, if we could just ask the question, what will we do with Jesus? And are we prepared for him in our own life? God made a promise. He followed through with that promise, and he predicted it. And Mary and Joseph, how did they respond? They were open to it. They were ready. Galatians 4, chapter 4, verse 4 says, actually, something really interesting with all these predictions that came. It says that when the time had fully come, when, when all these predictions had kind of played out the way that God wanted, when the time had fully come, just beyond that period of 400 years' silence, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that are under the law. That's us. So that we might receive the full rights of sons and daughters of God. And when Mary received that word, that the time had fully come, and that she would be the virgin who would, who would provide for this child, that God would use her as the vehicle, do you know how she responded? Despite her teenage fears and insecurities, she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you've said. And I'm just saying to some of you today, why don't you just say, God, I don't know. Um, this year, I know I'm distracted. I know I'm busy. But I just want my prayer to be, God, allow my, my heart to be soft. Allow my prayer to be, Lord, I'm your servant. May it be with me as you've said. Or there's Joseph, this young man who was already ready to settle down with his family, had his career in line. He knew where he was going. He already had his woman that he was going to marry and her name was Mary and, and she was now pregnant unexpectedly and imagine his embarrassment and his anger and his disappointment but an angel came to visit him and said Joseph what is, what is in her is from the Holy Spirit and, and, and the promise that's been made through all these generations that you know about man you are at this time and I want you to be ready for it God's going to do something special and the angel appeared to him and he then became open to the promise of God and so Mary and Joseph both were willing to be recipients. Their heart was ready. They both had to decide, what will we do with the gift? What will we do with the announcement? What will we do with Jesus? And you have to decide that too. What will I do with Jesus? What am I going to do with him? And maybe some of you are still asking the question. 
what will I do with Jesus in my life? Is he who he claimed to be? And I would just ask you to be praying about that. Ask questions about that. There is ample evidence and research we can help you to kind of study through that and think about, is Jesus who he claimed to be? Others of you, you have faith. That's not the issue. But right now, you're distracted. You're distracted, and I understand something about that. I look back just on the last three weeks of our, of our life. Like, three weeks ago, we went on a, on a cruise, and we were um, celebrating our anniversary. And, and so we went on that cruise together, and, and right on the heels of that, got home. And then it's Thanksgiving week, and now it's okay. we got to let's go here, and let's go visit family and things like that. And, and right away, got ready and started to, then went to the trip to El Salvador and, and, and down there studying. Now Lisa's at home because Lisa has surgery on Wednesday this week. It's going to take her a couple weeks to recover from. And so she's preparing and planning. They had a Christmas event here last night, so she's getting ready for that event. And, and we have our daughter Hannah, school, her college closed down. We're trying to figure out, where's she going to go to school? We don't really know. And JB, her boyfriend, we're trying to figure out, where's he going to go to school? We don't know. And then and then Becca's trying to figure out, where am I going to go to college next year? We don't know. So tomorrow we're going to Kentucky Christian College, try to figure that out. We understand something about being distracted. But even in the midst of all of that, you have to say, am I ready? Even if I'm distracted, am I prepared? Maybe some of you, you're discouraged this year. You're, you're down a bit. Or maybe you're disappointed in God. Well, whatever it is, in just a few minutes, I'm going to pray for all of you. We have some time. I'm going to pray that we kind of walk through these things together and that you would use this as an opportunity to begin to prepare your hearts. How many of you, you have nativity sets in your home? Raise your hand if you have a nativity set in your home. Uh, uh, how many of you leave those out all year? Raise your hand. And how many of you put them away? All right, how many of you put them away? That's fine. Um, I heard of one guy who really, when it came to putting the nativity away, it became a bit ironic to him because as they put this the most precious nativity that they had that they really valued a lot. They would wrap it up and take nice care of it and put it in bubble wrap, and they would put tissue paper in the shoebox, and then they would put it away in the, uh, in the crawl space until the next year. And this guy said, it couldn't help but to think about that, the, the, the kind of the symbolism of that moment, because there's so many of us that do that with Christ kind of say, well, I want to kind of protect that. I want to kind of guard that a bit. I want to kind of put that away for a while. I'm going to kind of hide that in the shoebox, put it in the crawl space of my life a bit, kind of put it off to the corner that way. Therefore, maybe I'll, I'll pick it up again at some point, and he'll be ready for me at that moment, at that time. And I'm just encouraging all of you guys today. Rather than doing that, keep, keep Christ present in your life. During this season, during this year, keep Christ present in your life. And toward that end, I want to pray for you. Would you just spend just some quiet moments here for just a moment? I want to pray for those right now, today. They were still asking the question about Christ. Is he who he claimed to be? And God, I just pray for those who have spiritual questions today, God. They are asking the questions in their mind. They are perhaps scientific in nature, God. They, they want to know the evidence, God. 
And God, we know that your evidence is reliable, and yet it's still at the end of all of that evidence takes that leap of faith, that step of faith. It says, God, I, I believe in you. I trust you. I'm going to weigh the evidence, God. And I pray for those individuals that, Lord, today they would be open to hearing from you, that their heart would be ready and receptive, that they wouldn't allow kind of all the barriers in their mind to keep them from faith in Christ. And God, I just ask for that today. I pray they'd ask the questions and seek the answers. Be like the wise men who came from maybe a faraway place to find the Christ child. And God, I pray for those who are disappointed with God today. Maybe, maybe you've had disappointment. Maybe, maybe you've lost someone this year. Maybe there's one less person at the table this year as you celebrate Christmas. Maybe you have questions for God about that. God, I'm not with my life where I wanted to be. I, I, I didn't, I didn't plan that I'd be in this place, and so I'm disappointed, God, with you. You didn't answer my prayer, I don't feel like. So, God, I pray for those individuals who are disappointed in some way. That, God, that has been the barrier to faith for them because they feel like if you were real, God, you would have saved that person or you would have maybe healed that person, God, or maybe you put me in a different place. And, God, help to, help to remind us today that often it's through the challenges of life that we become more like you. It's through the difficulties in life that we begin to learn. It's through the hardships in life that you teach us. God, help us, to, help us to be moved by the fact, God, that you, you want the best for us. You want a good life for us, God, a life here and a life to come. You want to give us hope and joy and peace. And yet, God, sometimes life is hard, and yet through those things, God, you teach us and lead us and guide us. And Lord, I pray for that today, that we'd have a different perspective. And God, I pray for those who, who maybe are just discouraged, God. Maybe in their life today, they're just down about things. And God, they, they feel discouraged about the life that they have or the things that are going on around them. And God, I pray that when they leave today, they would feel refreshed, God, that they would feel motivated by you, God, that they would feel embraced by you, embraced by the warm presence of your Spirit in their life. God, they'd feel like, God, I, I, I not only know you, God, but I want your presence in my life. God, remind them that Remind our kids that Christmas isn't just about receiving, it's about giving. And a lot of times through the giving, through the loving of other people, that's how we're refreshed. When we take on the spirit of love, when we lead with love, when we do what Jesus did, we give those gifts to others, God. We help those in need. In that, we're refreshed. Help us to teach our kids, God, that Christmas is more than receiving. It's about giving. And God, for all of us who at times are distracted who when it comes to the christmas season in particular it seems like we have so many other things going on and god there are good things and there are bad things and there are surgeries and there are hardships and there are travels and there are other things there's gift giving and parties to plan for god with all of that help us to be like mary and to say even when this thing is unexpected even when i had other plans like joseph did Help us to have tender hearts, ready and receptive minds, and help us to be open this year in particular for the coming of the Christ child. And help us, God, to pull him out of that shoebox 
help us to pull it pull it out of the corner of the cross space of our heart and of our mind and put him back into a prominent place help us to do that God we pray this in the name of your son Jesus amen now we're going to worship we're going to celebrate together the song starts a little kind of slowly and then it builds at the end but would you do me a favor kind of do your best job of embodying your your inner El Salvadorian today all right and let's try to worship God with everything we have our heart and our soul and let's just continue to use this as an opportunity to prepare our minds for this season of Christmas